You live in illusion and the appearance of things. There is a reality, but you do not know this. When you understand this, you will see that you are nothing. And being nothing, you are everything. That is all. Hey, I did that float session I texted you about on Monday. The phone line crackles a bit in silence, and then my friend responds, Oh yeah? How was that? Their voice bending with a subtle expectation of a terrible time. I loved it, I exclaim. I felt like I was floating in space. All the muscles in my neck relaxed. I feel like a big reset button was pushed in my mind and body, I continue. I, my friend pauses before responding, I don't think I could do that. Their voice turns, falling off a cliff. I don't think I could be alone with myself for that long. Welcome to The Imperfect Buddhist, where we discuss Zen Buddhism and incorporating mindfulness into daily life. My name is Matthew Hawk Mahoney, and in today's episode, we will be discussing float tanks and the experience of being alone with oneself. Babe, should I tell you about your birthday gift? My wife smiles as she comes in from work. Okay. I got us an hour session at a float tank. Leading up to this, I thought that maybe she got me a massage or a foot massage because we had talked about that recently. Shortly after moving to Jacksonville, Florida, a float center opened up nearby. A big white sign with modern blue letters reading, float, be still. Upon seeing it, I turned to my wife saying, we gotta try this, babe. This seems right up our alley. We never tried it. I forgot about it. And then, boom, epic birthday gift award goes to my wifey. Oh my God, I exclaimed. You're amazing. This is the greatest birthday gift ever. She's really good at giving gifts. Me, I'm learning. What is a float session? Here's Joe Rogan on what should happen during an ideal float session. Meditation is one thing I have a hard time with. Like I realize. Well, meditation in conjunction with the tank, I think is really the key. I I think the tank allows you to achieve a state of physical, your, your physical body not being or not I, I you don't ever completely eliminate the sensory input but you diminish it so significantly that that environment is not available anywhere else on earth well you're floating so you don't feel your body your water is the, the temperature of your skin the air is the same temperature as the water and you feel like just flying through infinity you're in total darkness A modern glass door with a long, cylindrical, steel-brushed handle greeted us at the entrance to Float Studio in Jacksonville, Florida. A small waiting room with some gray modern IKEA chairs adjoined the front desk area. A quick intro video explaining how to use the amenities, and a 15-minute chair massage later, and I was locking the door behind me for my float session. The water temperature felt nearly identical to the temperature of my skin as I closed the small glass doors to my floating cocoon. Gently, I laid back into the saline solution. Wanted to go deep right away, I pushed a couple of the huge oversized buttons that turned off the ambient lighting and the music. And then, nothing? No, not nothing, but something more subtle than what we experience in everyday life. Okay, you know that I have a daily meditation practice. 
I bring my attention and awareness back to this moment, back to myself. So what's so different about this floating experience? To be honest, nothing really. But subtly, there is a huge difference. I noticed that I was able to drop into my meditative mind rather quickly without any outside distraction, and my body being completely supported and held by the water. As my friend Rick said in a previous episode that listening to silence is like being in a party filled with loud people and finding that one small, quiet voice that is saying the most important thing. While floating, I found that a lot of the noise was turned down and I was better able to interface with this inherent wise intelligence within. Did I see cosmic visions? No. Did voices speak to me and tell me where I was off in my life? No. Did I experience any of these profound visions that one hears about when researching floating? No, at least not yet. This is my first session. So what did happen in there? Again, I found that my subtle wise intelligence, my inherent knowing was better able to come forward. All of my tension spots, areas where I hold tension such as my neck, back and knees were fully able to relax. Upon showering and exiting the float session, I felt as if a reset button had been pushed within my body and my mind. I find peace, rejuvenation, and solace in these times of quiet being. So why does my friend feel so off-put by the idea of such a quiet experience? I cannot fully and accurately answer that. I will say that before entering my float session, I found some fear inside of myself. I thought to myself, what if a demon buried deep inside of me through this isolation experience is able to come forward? But being bolstered by my meditation experience, I felt able equipped and ready to be with what I'd find in there. So what would it be like living in a way that one feels overwhelmed with the depth of their own unresolved pain, monsters and skeletons in their closet? In the past, I had had friends join me to meditation sessions. One friend, upon sitting in a 30-minute session, ran to the bathroom, throwing up. She said, Matt, they do other paranormal witchy stuff at this place. It's ignorant of them to be trying to hold meditations in a space like this. To be fair, it was a hippie, anything-goes kind of store, selling nag champa and doing seances, but I wondered to myself how much of her throwing up experience had to do more with her own unresolved patterns than the space she was meditating in. Okay, I acknowledge the struggle and pain and suffering you might encounter when attempting to be with yourself. There may be very painful and violent things in your past that you hold in your body and your mind, and perhaps your pain feels that it is more than one person should bear alone. Fine, the beauty of a great counselor is that they can bear that pain with you, walking you through the different layers of resistance, pain, grieving, and eventual healing. What happens when we avoid our suffering in our past? Terrible things, the worst that humanity has to offer. M. Scott Peck says, in any case, when we avoid the legitimate suffering that results from dealing with problems, we also avoid the growth that problems demand from us. It is for this reason that in chronic mental illness, we stop growing, we become stuck. And without healing, the human spirit begins to shrivel. Oh my God, am I going to turn into a murderer? I said to myself, pushing back images of a knife going into the side of someone's head. One of the toughest times I experienced with being myself was when dealing with questions of my own morality. In the first Imperfect Buddhist episode, I shared one of the deepest struggles of my life, namely, a strange phobia around becoming a murderer. 
From the outside and writing this, I see the silliness of such a fear. Like, do you want to stab someone or not? That's the ultimate deciding factor. But the unexamined mind could be a strange and confusing place. Perhaps during that time, if someone had asked me, hey, Matt, would you like to float in complete darkness with no sensation, left alone with your own mind? Maybe I would have skirted away a bit as my friend did during our conversation. So what did coming into contact and being with this aspect of myself look like then? How did I heal? The beginning of my healing came in the acceptance of suffering and that suffering would be inevitable if I was going to grow and heal from these fears. Second, I learned to not take these fears, images, and thoughts in my head so seriously. I made a commitment to love myself completely, literally turning to myself in the mirror during a 10-minute break at Starbucks and saying, Matt, I love you. I remember one of my best friends and roommates, Bill, saying to me once, Matt, Sometimes you're going to be the only one that has your own back. And I thought to myself, shit, do I even have my own back? Giant mountain-moving energies will work within us when we adopt the spirit of loving kindness for ourselves. When we adopt this spirit of willingly witnessing to ourselves, real change is possible. How do we begin? As mentioned before, perhaps your journey may need the help of a counselor or trained guide to help get you started. But for many, beginning with a daily mindfulness practice is a great start. When we practice mindfulness, we develop the ability to witness what is happening within our bodies and minds. Eckhart Tolle says, To know yourself as the being underneath the thinker, the stillness underneath the mental noise, the love and joy underneath the pain is freedom, salvation, and enlightenment. We begin to train ourselves to witness what is happening in our minds without judgment or the desire to change what we see. For if we were to see the thought, I'm poor, I will probably be flipping fries at Wendy's for the rest of my life, and try to replace it with, I'm rich, I'm a Wall Street banker. We pile thought upon thought and continue our complete identification with the thinking mind. That said, I am all for playful updating of our internal dialogue to more positive outlooks and mantras. But if we manage our internal dialogue or imagery with heaviness and identification, we stay stuck. To be frank, there isn't much to be said about committing to one's own healing. For everyone's path will look very different. The only consistency I have seen in people who have healed or are healing is that they all said to themselves at some point, I'm ready to heal. I'm ready to face the pain and suffering along the path towards growth. All right, you know what time it is. It's time for another quick tip. So, the next time you find yourself turning away from something painful, perhaps when a friend inquires or an image or memory comes to mind, I want you to turn towards that pain. In the situation with the friend, if you trust them, I want you to take a step towards your pain by being honest. If it's too hard to verbalize, I want you to say what's real in that moment. Verbalize the dissonance in your mind. Say something like, you know, man, I'm having a hard time putting into words what's going on for me. Doing this will open the door for you to move towards the reality you're experiencing inside. If it's not a safe space with the person in this situation, then I encourage you to feel fully what's going on inside. Be with the images and the pain. What does it feel like? Where does it hurt in the body? Become curious and take a step towards what you've been avoiding. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. I want to extend an invitation for you to send me a text message. Let me know how the show has been for you. 
Also, I'm beginning to offer mindfulness and meditation coaching. To check in or set up a session, simply send me a text at area code 904-481-3850. And just that number again, just in case you need it, 904-481-3850. Hope you have a wonderful week, and I'll see you next Wednesday.